Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast, supported by Rehoy and Son. Plenty to talk about today. I'm Tony Kerr, and alongside me is Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. And James Faller. Hi, Tony. Uh, great to see you. Um, we missed a week last week, so we've got quite a lot of local football to reflect on. We've got a, an interesting and slightly different afternoon to reflect on at Footslade on Saturday. Um, but I think we've got to start with a quick mention about the World Cup final yesterday. I'm still recovering, uh, I think, well, from the weekend in general, but <laughs> from the football match and from the conclusion of that game. Um, Jim, I know you're a, a student of the game, a, a football historian. Um, where does it rank in terms of uh, World Cup finals you've seen? Uh, yeah, I thought it was, uh, well, I turned on at half time and the, uh, the the second half and the extra time was was compelling. You know, even my wife was watching it and saying, I'm not sure, not sure if I can look at these penalties at the end, you know. So it was, uh, yeah, there was uh, you know a lot of entertainment, some great goals, good play, you know, exciting game, it kind of uh, not what you expect anymore really from a World Cup final, you know, what, what's ever happened to the tight one nils? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, France took, it's fair to say, some time to get going. It was one-way traffic and then burst into life. Gareth, were you able to contain yourself? Yes. <laughs> no, I thought, I, I thought it was thoroughly entertaining after sort of the clock ticked to about 78 minutes because Argentina thoroughly deserved to be winning when they when they were 2-0 up at half-time and they looked like they were in total control of the second half. And then, um, yeah, just took that one penalty incident and within two minutes, France were equal. And it was a cracking game after that. I mean, extra time, I thought, was a belter, to be honest. And there was sort of both sides created chances and um, keepers made some very good saves as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's probably the first game I can remember watching when I was almost like a total neutral. I really didn't care who won, but I, I thought it was a really good game. And um, to echo some of the the pundits last uh, during the the penalty shootout, the one thing I wanted was Messi and Mbappe to score their penalties in the shootout because the last thing you want is the two best players probably in the world to go miss in in that scenario. So um, yeah, it was uh, it was certainly uh, an entertaining watch. Yeah, the composure on show at the death there. I mean, Mbappe to score three penalties against <laughs> Martinez and, and all, Messi. all in the same place. Yeah. Mm. A note for Harry Kane, perhaps. Um, yeah, and for Messi, <laughs> I'll just hit the target is a good start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have to say, just the one thing that I've been thinking about is just Martinez's arms and hands are just ludicrously big. There was a photo of him, at, you know, on the uh, the trophy presentation. He's got his like, hands outstretched, and he's at the back of the team, and his hands are like bigger than most of the heads in front of them. He's uh, he's a freak, and the save at the death, I think, was was for me probably the moment of the match in terms of. Um, uh, yeah, what kind of could have been, and, and yeah, how he kept his team in it. Brought back memories of the goalkeeper for Media United back in the day, didn't it? He made a few good saves, <laughs> but to be Left fair, he had an awful lot to do in those games. So, uh, he, <laughs> by law, percentages he had to keep some out. I don't think even Martinez could have helped us um, back in the day. Anyway, let's move on to the local stuff. Um, and Saturday afternoon at Foots Lane, which um, started. Um, well, reasonably disastrously for, for GFC uh, in their game against Hanworth Villa and mm. ended um, in unusual circumstances or, or certainly that the decision to end it perhaps was unusual, but it came after an absolutely horrendous injury um, to one of the visiting players who uh, ended up overnight in hospital with a, an operation on a double leg break. So, I mean, first of all, all the best to, to him um, with his recovery and um, yeah, hopefully he can uh, be in some comfort for Christmas. But um, yeah, Gareth, just talk us through the sort of story afternoon and how it played out. Uh, yeah, well, like you say, Tony, it was uh, it, it didn't start very well for GFC in terms of the action. Um, I mean, to be honest, when you sort of turn up and see a team list, which on on the bench you've got sort of, with no disrespect, Dave Meris is into his forties now, and and 
you've got two goalkeepers on the bench. So you, you just think it's going to be a tough afternoon for GFC. The starting 11 they had was sort of fine, but you want options and what have you. And you just think it, it could be could be a long, long day for them. Um, and then sort of sure enough, in, in the fifth minute, um, they had a, a penalty awarded against them. Uh, Jamie Dodd was, he was sort of like trying to shield the ball and trying to keep a player away from the ball. And he, it's one of those that sort of all the home fans were were adamant it wouldn't, wasn't a penalty. If it had been in the other box, I'm sure they'd have been screaming for a penalty, but um, it was given and it was a very well taken penalty by Sam Merson to put um, Hamworth Villa uh, 1-0 up and they had a very good chance uh, through Tom Scott to double their lead. He actually uh, hit the crossbar with a header and then um, GFC, um, it was Brandon Wallace actually sort of sparked, it was his first start for the club, although as it turns out it won't count as his first start for the club, but um, he sort of sparked an attack with a cr- crossfield run and then a ball down the line which Danny Hale did well to to retrieve because it looked like the defender was going to be uh, mopping it up and um, he bought a save out of Gary Ross, the Hamworth Villa goalkeeper. Uh, but then, unfortunately, yeah, like you say, sort of uh, it was a minute later. Um, there was a challenge in midfield. Uh, Kieran Mann, the ball was sort of getting away from both players, and it, it was it was just a full blooded fifty fifty challenge. It, it was it was a hard challenge, but in my eyes, from what I saw, Kieran Mann got a, a lot of the ball. Um, it just so happened, just just the direction of it sort of brought the two players together, and yeah, it was just a, a horrible, horrible outcome. It's, straight, it's one of those straight away. Everyone on the Hamworth Villa players is calling for their physio or, or help on the pitch. They, they knew it was a bad one. Um, the referee was, he was almost right on top of it. He obviously saw um, in pretty graphic detail what had happened and he, he bought his red card out straight away, which is understandable, I suppose, in the circumstances. Um, it's one of those, I'd, I'd like to see a replay of the challenge because we haven't actually, um, there wasn't video there on the day, unfortunately. Um, so I think a red card was probably a harsh decision, but when you see what what's happened to the play, you, you sort of that goes to the back of your mind. It was uh, just uh, a horrendous thing to happen. The ambulance is called, and he was treated on the pitch for a good forty five minutes, I think, before he was sort of stretched to the to the waiting ambulance, and then the players actually came back out and started warming up again. They'd been in the changing rooms for about half an hour. Um, but then there was a, there was like a discussion going on between the officials and the management at the side of the pitch, and uh, uh, they they called down sort of like more GFC officials, and the announcement was made over the over the uh, public address system that um, the referee had decided to call the game off. He he felt sort of he he felt unwilling to continue. I think um, just the whole experience I don't think sort of sat well with him, so he, he called it off. And I mean. <sighs> It's one of the. It's very bizarre for a game to be called off because of sort of that unfortunate incident. But um, GFC and Hamworth Villa sort of took that decision and respectfully, and it'll have to be be rearranged now. But yeah, it was a it was a very it was a bit of a bizarre weekend in that regard. But yeah, obviously your first first thoughts go out to um, Tom Scott, the injured player, and uh, just fingers crossed he does make a full recovery from that. Yeah, Jim, as Gareth says, it's an unusual. Uh, unusual sort of set of circumstances. I mean, as an official, is that within the referee's powers to, to make a decision like that? I mean, well, presumably so, if that, that's what he did. Yeah, I, I was surprised when I heard um, heard what had happened. Obviously, if, you, if you're not there, then, you know, <clears throat> what opportunity do I have to comment? I haven't seen mm. the tackle, but I I feel on, on logistical grounds alone, the whole thing, you know, when somebody's flown over for a game, you, yeah, can it on? Don't worry, we'll, we'll come back in a few weeks' time, kind of thing. Uh, you know, 
I'm sure GFC, uh, well, I mean, they've got reasons perhaps to welcome the game being replayed, but I'd also think they'd be rather frustrated. And indeed, you know, do Hamworth want to come over again? You know, effectively, they've, they've had a day trip just for Christmas for nothing. Yeah. You know, so that's, you know, I think there, you know, could well be an argument made for, for that to be, uh, to be in the minds of the officials. But, you know, it's kind of impossible for me to comment with any uh, authority, really. Yeah, it's been a strange and kind of tricky few weeks for GFC mm. in the end, just sort of running up to Christmas. Um, well, with, with that abandonment, um, Green Lions sit 19th in the Isthmian South Central going into Christmas. Uh, they're back in action away from home against Tooting and Mitcham on Boxing Day. Um, so that's a massive game, isn't it? That's yeah, a team, big, that's a team just above them in in the table. Yeah, right around them, and then um, into January. I mean, it, perhaps it looks slightly more um, enticing for GFC. They've got five matches, four of them at home, and a couple of them against teams around them. So. I mean, they've got a lot of work to do going into the new year, that's for sure. And as you say, I mean, the, the circumstances around the squad on, on Saturday and the, the strength of the bench, certainly, um, they're kind of really quite threadbare at the moment. And um, you sort of wonder, where are they going to find the inspiration to, to turn it around? I don't know. They just need bodies, only to be honest. It's just it's becoming a, a, just a total lack of resources that they've got available. I take it Kieran Mann's red card will still stand. I mean, I know the game was abandoned, but... Um, you're showing a straight red card. I mean, the referee's not going to change his decision on that one, so that might be a three-game ban straight away, in which case, I mean, GFC are struggling even more. So, yeah, they just they desperately need bodies back. Um, hopefully there's a few sort of injuries clearing up and they can they can get back to some sort of order. I mean, it it's not just the 11 on the pitch. It's, it's the options you have and being able to change a game and, or just being able to refresh a side during a game is so important at that level because you're working hard throughout the whole 90 minutes and uh, yeah, they've just got their backs up against the walls and it seems a bit of a, a never-ending story at the moment. Well, I was speaking to Tony uh, just last week before the Hamworth game and you know he's saying, you know, we have to simply go out there looking to frustrate other teams. You can't impose any game plan on the opposition because you don't have any game plan mm. uh, really apart from mm. k- keep it tight and try and nick one with one guy uh, up top etc so you know it's it's and I, I kind of agree with what Tony Vance says that he thinks that you know when he's got a full squad going to the FC is a top half of the table team in that environment and, and I guess they they probably are but you can't keep on going on this level of uh, resources before it starts to become a, a crisis somewhere along the line. Well, they're going to need the supporters to stand by them in January as well. I mean, it's um, you know one thing kind of going down to Fitzlade and looking forward to an exciting match if if the home side are you know are going out really to well sort of a damage limitation mode. Um, it's you know it's not the most enticing prospect. So um, yeah, well I'm sure there'll be plenty of supporters um, in the stand um, on Monday, the second of January for their next home game against South Park. Um, but yeah, lots of work to do for Guernsey FC. Uh, right, let's leave it there for part one. When we come back, we'll be talking pre-league. Welcome back. Um, now, there's been plenty of action in the pre-league since we uh, last recorded a football pod. Um, Rovers and North have played twice um, in that time, the, the the top two at the moment, with Saints now right on their shoulder. Yeah, very tight at the top. Um, Rovers on 30 points, having played a game more than North and Saints, who are both on 25 now. So, um, yeah, a pretty exciting title race in prospect as we look ahead to the new year. Um, in terms of those two games between um, the sides who, who certainly were um, kind of front runners in the last few weeks, um, North and Rovers, um, the most recent of which, Jim, you were down at uh, for a nil-nil on Saturday afternoon. Um, could it have gone either way? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, odd nil-nil in that 
there was plenty of intrigue in the game, but also you know, not a huge amount of excitement either. Um, you know, I, I said in the report, I think North were marginally the dominant team. You know, they had more of the ball, more territory, but Rovers carried the greater threat. Um, you know, uh, North hit the bar twice, but Adam Bullock didn't really make a save, whereas Leroy Riley made uh, two or three you know, decent saves for uh, for North. So, you know, in the end, I guess both sides content with a point. You know, it's it maintains the status quo in the league. North, if they win their game in hand, are just two points behind. That's a decent position to be in. Uh, Rovers wouldn't have wanted to, you know, to be to lose that game particularly. Obviously, if they'd won eight points clear, suddenly that that looks very different. But, um, you know, it, and it's tight. And really, that's uh, really uh, what we want to see in the, in the Prayer League. And we keep seeing it. So it's great. Yeah, and going back to last midweek with that last minute, super last minute winner for um, Rovers at Northfield. Um, slightly controversial, perhaps, uh, on the occasion. I mean, I, I, I don't know, having watched back the footage that, that I shot, um, I don't, certainly don't think there's any intention um, from Lee Fowler to punch the ball in, but it does appear to roll off his arm. I mean, I, I don't think the referees or the officials on the night, it, it very hard to see and, and make a call there. Yeah, from, from what we've seen, you know, um, it was a corner deep to the back post. Toby Olabarudi heads it back into the mix. Finn Whitmore flicks it on. And then Louis Fallard, the other centre-back, is in the six-yard box, kind of, you know, lunging to head the ball home. He re- goes through it with his head and doesn't get it. And it, it looks, but again, you know, our view is blocked, so we can't 100% see it. But it probably looks like it but goes off his shoulder or down his arm uh, and into the net. Having said that, Simon Marley's on the goal line for North and it looks like he can clear it and he uh, hammers it into the roof of the net. So um, it could just sell it and save his own goal. <laughs> uh, but in funny game that one. I think North will be much more frustrated in that game, not only for the you know, lateness of the result, but they were the better team in that game, uh, undoubtedly. You know, uh, First half, all over Rovers. Second half, keeping them at arm's length. And they conceded on about 75 minutes. And after that, the game completely changed. It was almost like Rovers got a massive injection of, of, of self-belief, which they didn't have before. So, you know, it's 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 hard to call between the two of them. They're different sides playing different kinds of football. Um, but, you know, in, intriguing. You'd see, you know, they're... You've, you know, the problem is in the Premier League is that if you look at the the, the various levels of, of the league, the top three have got to keep doing it against the against the others. You slip up once, and that's you know Rovers have only lost one game this season, but it was to Bells in a game which they dominated, and will feel frustrated that they lost it. Uh, and you know, potentially that kind of result is going to cost them. So there isn't any room for anybody to slip up in, in, in at the top of the table. So it's it's good competition. Yeah, quite as you say, Rovers only one defeat. And you know, from what I've seen of them recently, they do seem like a team that are difficult to beat. They may, you know they seem to have scored a lot of very late goals in in recent times. Um, uh, there's a, there's a clearly a real kind of belief kind of to, to go right to the end. Last couple of years, Rovers have had an issue at either end of the pitch. You know, if they if they're hot, they will score a lot of goals. But if they're not, they you know couldn't hit the proverbial with a banjo, uh, and and at the other end of the park, there's kind of you know always a, a risk of a slip. Uh, like you say, I think they have tightened up at the back, and that's not so longer the case. But you know goals again, you know if if they if they run hot, if Finn Whitmore is uh, is firing, then you know there's no no stopping them. Best best goal scoring team in the league. But if it's not happening, then sometimes it's just not happening, you know. And I think they will probably feel that uh, 
for well, 90 minutes plus against North over those two games. It hasn't been happening in front of goal for them, that's for sure. And Gareth, you've seen a bit of all three sides. Where do you put your money at this stage of the season? Um, having seen, as Jim said, having seen North dominate Bell, uh, dominate Rovers for the first half at Northfield last week, but with Brandon Wallace doing a lot of the damage, you wonder if North are going to be able to sort of keep the people they need to win the league within their squad because Brandon's um, like I say he, he came out for GFC on, on last weekend so um, I'd, I'd probably at the moment edge with Rovers I, I think Rovers will look back on the last sort of 10 days and think we've come away with four points when they probably didn't really deserve to two points maybe but in, in that game at Northfield like Jim said for, for about 75 minutes North deserved to be ahead Um Rovers got their goal back through Max Simpson-Cohen and yeah, I mean, it did change momentum. But going into the 95th minute of that game, I'd have said of the two coaches, Kevin Glees would have been happier with the point and they ended up getting three. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, I think it's been a really big week for Rovers and they, they sort of didn't lose any ground, although Saints did win on the weekend. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see how much momentum can, Saints can, can uh, maintain now. Uh, they've they've won five out of their last six Um arguably beating teams which they, they would expect to beat, but they, they needed that sort of injection. They'd gone through a bit of a, a bad patch around October time. Um, so if they can build on that in, in the new year, th- they will be a big, big threat. Obviously, they're, they're champions and they, they know how to get over the line. So um, it's it's got the makings of a really good three-way title race. Um, yeah, money perhaps still slightly on Rovers, just the fact they're leading at the moment. But um, I can see quite a few changes still happening. I'd like to know what uh, on what Jason Lehman has done with Saints since he's uh, taken over the job full time. Because you know, okay, he's had the the massive bonus of George Mason back in the in the squad, and clearly, you know, he's scoring goals, scoring goals in the Jackson, getting extra football as well. I notice, um, but you know, now it looks it's kind of looking like I haven't seen Saints uh, in recent months, but it's kind of looking like last season's team, and we all know how good that was. So. What chance have they got? Quite a strong one, I would have thought. They're certainly going to have a big say in this title race. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in mid-table, there was a good game between Bells and Rec. Three all um, uh, there, um, which means that um, those two sides um, just separated by a point in fourth and fifth. So, uh, yeah. Last-minute equaliser for Glenn Lississio, I think, for, for Rick. So the Premier League uh, on pause now for a few weeks. Obviously, you've got the Stranger Cup. Um, there's one uh, FA Cup game as well to come before Christmas. That's the only uh, senior game left on the schedule. And then, yeah, busy uh, month of Stranger Cup football in January. The under-18s champions in that one. I don't know what their crop is like this year, but uh, we'll see how they get on in the group stage of that. Uh, it's very, it's a bit very changed squad. Last year, it was only, I think, two two lads in the younger age group. So, uh, yeah, it'll be a, a lot, of, lot of new faces. But having said that, a lot of new faces, I think, with some Prio experience. So, uh, you know, be interesting to see uh, how they fare. And for yeah, for the good of uh, Guernsey football, we can <laughs> we can hope that they do do well. Well, we we'll look forward to seeing how the under-18s go in the Stranger Cup. Um, before we wrap up this podcast, let's just trouble you guys for uh, maybe a, a player of the half season so far, someone who's caught your eye, Jim. Uh, well, I'd nominate two, and I saw them both play on Saturday. Um uh, one lad, in fact, talking about under 18s, was playing for them last year. But Archie Girillo at North was, uh, you know, was last year playing at left back. This year, he cemented himself in at centre back. You know, 
bit of an unsung hero, but uh, he's turning in consistent performances uh, time and time again. He really uh, is looking the part. So it'll be interested to follow his development. Uh, another one I would pick is uh, very much an unsung hero. Um, uh, and I remember writing a quite critical report <laughs> about, about him in the game uh, maybe a year or so ago. But uh, Aidan Mackay at Rovers is playing in the centre of midfield. He's you know keeping players like James Grundy out of the team, uh, putting in consistent performances week in week out playing really really well at the moment and you know the kind of player who you know doesn't score many goals or whatever so doesn't get noticed that that often but for me he's really uh he's really turning on this season and will be an important player for the rest of the season gareth um well if we're shouting out a couple of people just while i'm looking at today's paper and i can see a picture of dave rio i just want to say he's still got enduring class that bloke i really enjoy watching him play football as i have done for about two decades now it seems <laughs> um but no, in perhaps in more uh, perhaps a bit less unsung but um certainly in terms of influence he's had i know he's, he's he's suffered a couple of injuries this season so we haven't seen an awful lot of him but uh louis travis at valrec is he's joined them um from manzo he sort of came with mark romerall and um whenever he's played he's been a real focal point for them and he, he causes defences a lot of trouble throughout the throughout the whole game and um, whenever I've seen him he, he's looked very impressive so um, yeah he, he's, he's had a big impact for them when he's been available hopefully fingers crossed he stays clear of injuries for the rest of the season People of my era will remember superstars when I think of Louis Travis I think I'd like to see a Guernsey Premier League superstars competition because mm. I wonder who'd win the 100 metre sprint because he would definitely be in with a shout Yeah yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a decent athlete as well I think so um, yeah, he, uh, he's, he causes people problems with his pace, but also his, his ability as well. So um, I think Valrec have got a, a very good striker there. Perhaps that's something for us to organise next year, Jim. A Guernsey Press superstars. Maybe not with us involved. <laughs> um, just, we'll, we'll hold the stopwatch. Yeah. <laughs> I think in terms of players who have stood out for, for sure this season, and we've mentioned him a couple of times already today, it's Brandon Wallace, who obviously is featured intimately for, for GFC and sort of a growing influence as a, as a young player there, but obviously, um, you know, really starring for North when he's um, in that shirt and probably the moment of the season so far for me was on the opening night, you know, the goal that, that Brandon scored against champion Saints to, to help inflict a first defeat in a while on them and it was an absolute screamer um, um so yeah uh, good to see him doing well and um yeah plenty more to play for into the second half of the season um, i think that's just about it for us for this against press football podcast our thanks once again to rehoy and son um for their support of the show we might be back with one more for you before the end of the year depending on what we can uh, task rob batty's to come up with in terms of a sort of composite 11 so uh, keep your ears out for a special there um otherwise that's it for for now do give us a follow on social media if you're not already at gsy press sport is a place to go on facebook twitter and instagram make sure you can follow or subscribe wherever you're getting your podcast as well to get every episode delivered straight to you and Pick up a paper six days a week for the very best local sports coverage, very best local football coverage. Um, Merry Christmas. We'll see you soon. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.